Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. I want to tell you guys a little story. Uh, it, it's a sequel, really, to a very familiar story that you guys are aware of. You guys have all heard the story of Cinderella. We know the story of Cinderella that, you know, she was just a, a poor little little girl. Her, her father died, and her evil stepmother and her stepsisters kind of took over the house, and they made her do all the chores, and she's like a maid in her own home. But her fairy godmother came when it was time for the ball, and, and through magic created this beautiful ball gown, and she went and she met the prince, and the prince fell in love with her, and they had this big, amazing, happy ending, a fairy tale, and they all lived happily ever after. They all lived happily ever after. It was beautiful. But there's a Cinderella part two that I'm not sure if you guys knew about. So I want to share this story with you. It's very, it's very cool. So here's the deal. Cinderella, she married the prince and she became the queen of all the land. And she was a great queen. Everybody loved Cinderella. She was awesome. And years passed and they grew older and older and they had kids and it's just amazing. And, and then the, the king decided that he wanted to throw another ball. He wanted to have a big, huge, amazing dance at a festival for all the people in the kingdom to come to. And Cinderella was like, okay, well, the last ball that I went to was pretty amazing. And so she started to feel this pressure, right? She's like, last time I had this amazing gown, last time I met the prince, and, and you know, I lost the slipper, and he put it back, and like this amazing, incredible story. And there's another ball coming. She became nervous. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta beat the last time this happened. And when the ball was announced, Princess or Queen Cinderella's fairy godmother, she showed up and she's like, oh, Cinderella, I'm so excited. This is so great. Another opportunity for you to go to another ball. And Cinderella's like, yeah, this is going to be great. But she's like, the pressure's really on me this time to get it right. And, and the fairy godmother, even though she'd been looking on over Cinderella with pride since that first night, she said, well, anything you need, I'm here. And Cinderella said, great, thank you, fairy godmother. And so what Cinderella did is she said, I've got to get to work because I have to have a better gown than I had last time. Because I'm the queen now. I was just a maid. Now I've got to look great. So Cinderella, she bought fabric and she started cutting it out and sewing it together. And, you know, thimbles and the whole nine yards, all sewing terms. I don't really know what they are, but I'll put them in there so you think I do. And she was sewing and cutting and it's just working on this gown and, and she's sweating and, and her fairy godmother's over in the corner and she's like, hey, do you need any help? And Cinderella's, no, I've got this. Listen, I did this one time before and, and I've got to get this right this time. Okay, I've got to one up it. And the fairy godmother, she's like, are you sure, Cinderella? I mean, I can help. No, 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 no. I, I've got to do this. I've got to get this right. So she's sewing and she's working and she's staying up late at night and getting up early in the morning until finally she finishes her brand new ball gown. She puts it on, she steps in front of the mirror, and she sees herself and she goes, oh, crap. (laughs) This is nowhere near as good as the last dress that I had at the very first ball. And she's starting to panic and she's like, okay, what am I going to do? I cannot go to this and not look better than I did the first time. And a fairy godmother's over in the corner, she's like, do you need any help? I can can help you. And Cinderella's I don't need help. I've got this. I've got to get this right. Just please, just... I, I got to think. So she pushes her, fairy God, pushes her fairy godmother aside and she's like, okay, what am I going to do? I've got to look great. And so she's like, okay, I know that my wicked stepmother who, you know, had a really pretty unhappy ending at the end of the last story. I know that since then she's kind of remade herself and she, you know, w- wicked stepmother had started this whole new kind of sweatshop really of dress manufacturing and she's risen up. She's made a lot of money. She's got this incredible dress company. And Cinderella's like, okay, I can't make this dress myself. I thought I could. Um, I really need to go to the best dressmaker 
in the kingdom so I can get this. And so she calls up her old wicked stepmother. And she's like, hey, wicked stepmother, it's Cinderella. Cinderella, how are you? You know, she talks like that. I won't do it anymore because it's embarrassing. But, but that's how she talked. Just know that. And, and she's like, how can I help you? And Cinderella's like, listen, I've got this, this new ball is coming. I'm sure you've heard it. And she's like, oh, yes, I've heard about the new ball. And she's like, this new ball is coming. I've got to have the best dress in the kingdom, okay? So I know you're selling dresses to all the fair maidens in the kingdom. I need the best one. And it's got to be better than the dress that I had at the first ball. Oh, Cinderella, I think I can do that for you, but it's going to cost you. Cinderella's like, well, okay, I knew it would, but how about this? I need this dress. I will pay you a million gold coins, because that's probably what they had, gold goose eggs, whatever they had in Cinderella's time. I'll pay you a million of those things if you give me the greatest dress in all of the kingdom. Uh, I don't know if that's enough, Cinderella. Cinderella's like, okay, um, okay, listen, I, how about this? I know that what you really wanted was power. I knew you wanted authority in the kingdom. I know you wanted a name for yourself. You've been working really hard. How about this? If you give me this dress, I will give you the title of queen mother. I will invite you to live in the castle with me. I'll give you a whole suite of rooms right next to mine. And you will be in the seat of power in all the kingdom. People will look at you as the mother of the queen. You will be royalty for forever and ever in our kingdom. And everything will change for you. Cinderella, I think that will work for me. So she began working on the dress. And so Cinderella went back into her room and she was pacing back and forth. She was very concerned that this dress was not going to be good enough. And the fairy godmother was like, um, Cinderella, I, do you need anything? No, fairy godmother, my gosh, will you zip it, please? I am working. This is very stressful. I've got to get this right. So the wicked stepmother comes and she brings the dress and Cinderella puts the dress on and the dress was stunning. I mean, it was, it was pretty incredible. She goes to the ball. Everyone in the kingdom thought she was lovely and stunning. She had an incredible dance with the king. The ball was over. And the queen mother moved into the castle where she criticized and she shamed and she embarrassed Cinderella for the rest of her years in the castle. And they all lived ever after. (laughs) And that's Cinderella part two. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah, I thought so myself when I read that, because here's what's funny about this, is that like, in that story, Cinderella kind of sidelined her fairy godmother. The person who in the first, the original story of Cinderella did all the magic, when, when she was sidelined in this story, kind of the magic of the story got sidelined too, right? And instead you got Cinderella negotiating with her old wicked stepmother to try and just get ahead in any way that she possibly could. And what's interesting is I think that that story gets played out in our lives a lot, in a lot of different ways. And today what I want to do to kick off our 21 Days of Prayer message series, I want to talk to you a little bit about a Cinderella story that played out in the Bible and how I think that that we can apply that to our lives and see how this story can be played out in our lives and how we can maybe avoid it being played out in our lives as well. So we're going to take a look at the life of a guy named Asa. Asa was one of the kings of Judah. And I'll just give you background. When Israel started as a kingdom, Israel, the, the nation, got their very first king. And it, his name was Saul. And he was the first king. And then, then after Saul came David. And David was probably one of the most famous, popular kings in all of Israel's history. And, and then after David came Solomon. And Israel was still just one big kingdom. But after Solomon, because there was, there was kind of sin and some of the kings and the rulers of Israel, the nation of Israel split. 
When Solomon died, and, and some of the people of Israel said, you know what, we don't want Solomon's son to be our king. We want a different king. But Solomon, he was, in, he was from the tribe of Judah. And the people of Judah were like, no, we're going to have a king who's from the line of David. That's what we're going to have, because that's what God wants us to have. And the people of Israel said, fine, Judah, you can have your own kingdom, and we'll go off our way, and we'll have our kingdom. And so Israel split into two kingdoms. Civil war, they split into Israel and Judah. Asa is the king of Judah. He's actually the great, great grandson of David. So he's the third king of Judah in this divided kingdom. Now, the history of Judah under this, in this divided kingdom is really not great because every king that they've had thus far has been really fairly wicked, according to the account from the Bible. Uh, they didn't honor God. They, they um, allowed foreign gods and foreign idols into the land, and, and they were just kind of cruel, and, and they weren't wise. And so the, the land of Judah has really just kind of fallen apart in this time. There's been, they've been fighting other nations. The Egyptians have come in to try to take Judah. The Ethiopians have tried to come in and take Judah. They've been racked with war, and they've been fighting not only with other nations. They've actually been fighting with Israel. The civil war has kind of continued off and on. And then Asa, David's great-great-great-grandson, moves onto the scene, and he becomes the king of Judah. And this is what this is what Second Chronicles tells us about him. When Abijah, who was Asa's father, died, he was buried in the city of David. And Abijah, again, was, it was, was known as a wicked king. And the story tells us this. Then his son Asa became the next king. And there was peace in the land for ten years. Why? Because Asa did what was pleasing and good in the sight of the Lord his God. So Asa steps in, he becomes king. In this divided kingdom, a nation that's falling apart. The people uh, hate their king because the king is wicked. He's bringing, uh, he's bringing foreign idols into the land. They're being attacked from every angle. And then Asa steps in. And in a Cinderella story, because he honors God, God moves and there is peace in the land for 10 years. No war, no famine. Asa kind of wipes out some of these, these temples and foreign idols that were across the land. And in a Cinderella story, Asa in his kingdom has peace for 10 years. And then came Cinderella part two. And this is what happens, how the story continues. In the 36th year of Asa's reign. So he's been a king for 36 years. That's a long time. In the 36 years, in the 36th year of King Asa's reign, King Basha of Israel invaded Judah. So war has started up again. And Asa responded by removing the silver and gold from the treasuries of the temple of the Lord and of the royal palace. And he took all that silver and gold and he sent it to King Ben-Hadad of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus, Damascus along with this message. And, and just for background, so King Basha of Israel attacks Judah. C- civil war has fired up again. And there's this other kingdom of Aram, the Arameans. And they had this truce with Israel. They had a partnership. They were allies. Which means this, that Aram and Judah were enemies. And King Ben-Hadad of Aram... And King Asa of Judah were fighting. They were enemies at this point. And Asa takes all of the silver and gold out of the temple treasuries. And he takes all of the silver and gold out of his royal treasury. And he sends it to his enemy, King Ben-Hadad. And he says this. Let there be a treaty between you and me like the one between your father and my father. See, I'm sending you silver and gold. So break your treaty with King Basha of Israel. Let's break your treaty with Israel. 
they don't like you the way I like you. Girl, come on. They're like, break that treaty with them and come on over to my side. Join us. Take this gold and let's now be partners so that the king of Israel will leave me alone. Now, again, I want to paint this picture for you. I want you to understand this. The Arameans and the Israelites, particularly the people of Judah, had been enemies for centuries. Okay? For decades, they have been enemies. They have fought. Israel creates this little treaty with the Arameans, and now the Arameans are coming down even harder on Judah. And so Asa takes all the money from the temple and all the money from his royal treasury, and he sends it to King Ben-Hadad of Aram to break his treaty with Israel and to start a treaty with Judah. Now, here's the thing, just so you understand exactly what's going on here. When Asa became king of Israel, we know this, that he honored God, that he trusted God. And when he honored and trusted God, what did God do? God moved and he gave them peace in the land for a decade. He gave Asa's kingdom success. Cinderella story part one. The magic of trusting God played out in Asa's life and it played out in the land of Judah. But when Asa decided that the war was too much with Israel, that he needed to step in on his own, he took all the money from the temple and he said, I can do this. I've got this. I've got resources now. I can use those resources and I can utilize them and I can leverage them to make this peace happen on my own. Cinderella 1, Asa got peace because he trusted God and God made it happen. Cinderella 2, Asa decided that he could do it on his own. Cinderella 1, Asa takes over from a crummy dad, a crummy king, and he takes over a crummy kingdom. And because he leaned into the power of God, because he trusted God, God made a Cinderella story happen. He turned that kingdom around and he gave them peace. And he gave Asa success in everything that he did until Cinderella story 2. Asa decided that he'd probably be better using his own strength, using his own power, using his own wisdom to make it happen on his own. Because you see, in this story of Asa... When Asa decided to sideline the person who could do the magic in the story, the magic of the story kind of disappears. And Asa sidelined God when he decided that he would use his own strength, use his own power, use his own wisdom to make something happen instead of leaning on God. And this, this goes a little deeper to give you an idea of, of really what, what happened here. In Second Chronicles 16, the story continues that at that time, Hanani, the seer, so this, a seer was like a prophet, it was someone who God spoke to, and then this person would take God's word out to the people at the time. Hanani, the seer, he came to King Asa, and he told him this. That wasn't me. <laughs> he said this, because you have put your trust in the king of Aram, instead of trusting in the Lord your God, you missed your chance to destroy the king of Aram. Because you decided to put your trust in your enemy... And in the money that you could bribe him with, instead of trusting in the Lord, you've missed an opportunity to remove an enemy, to remove a hurdle, to remove something that is damaging to your life out of your life because you chose to operate in your own strength instead of trusting in the strength of the Lord. He says, don't you remember what happened with the Ethiopians and the Libyans with their vast army and all their chariots and charioteers? Don't you remember that you beat them? Don't you remember that they were defeated because your God was with you because you leaned on him and trusted him? At that time, you relied on the Lord and he handed them over to you. And he says this, the eyes of the Lord. He's like, Asa, I want you to know this. This is how God works. And this is important for us to understand how God works. 
The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. What a fool you have been. Because from now on, you're going to be at war. Asa sidelined God and decided to trust in his own strength, decided to trust in his enemy's strength instead of trusting in the Lord. And when he sidelined God, he gave the king of Aram, he gave his enemy a room to live rent-free in his life for the rest of his reign as king. Let me say that again. When he sidelined God, he gave his enemy... He gave a person who was bringing destruction and defeat in his life a room to live rent-free in his life for the rest of his days because he trusted in himself and he didn't trust in God. He trusted his own strength and power. And, and here's the thing. His own strength and power, ironically, he only had those because he trusted God in the first place. And as his power developed, as his kingdom developed, as his money developed, he began to look back on those days where God had come in and God had made his ball, ground, ball gown and God had, had made the pumpkin turn into a carriage and God had turned mice into horses and all those crazy, amazing things that God did for Asa. He looked back on that and he looked at all that he developed and he looked at his new kingdom and he looked at his power and he looked at his authority and he looked at all the years of kingly decisions that he'd made and he looked at all of the armies that he had vanquished because he had trusted God and he decided, you know what? I've got this. And he said, the next thing that comes, I've got to get it right. Because I have to look even more powerful than I looked back then. And Asa trusted in his own strength instead of trusting in God's strength. And check this out. This is the, the writers of the Bible. They actually have a lot to say about trusting in our strength as opposed to trusting in God's strength. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read through some of these very quickly. Because I'll just tell you right this. You may be sitting in this room and you may have been in a situation in your life. And you may be in a situation right now where this is you. You've made decisions based on what your capacity is instead of leaning on God. You've, you know, you've pulled out a credit card to deal with your issues instead of trusting in God to help you make wise choices. You've moved forward in relationships that you knew you shouldn't move forward in or that maybe weren't the best choices, but you moved forward in those relationships because you didn't want to be alone. You didn't want to feel lonely instead of trusting God that he had a plan and a purpose for your life. And you made a choice that has followed you for the rest of your life and not only impacted you, but it's impacted your children and generations of your grandchildren and your children who are going to come after that because you trusted in your own strength. But I want you to know something that God has strength available to you. And this is what, this is what the, the writers of the Bible in multiple different places say about trusting in our strength versus trusting in God's strength and what God's strength can do for us. Jeremiah 9, 23. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. If you've got a lot of cool stuff, great. Don't boast in that though. Those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me. And that they understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And not only does God bring justice and righteousness to the earth, he delights in these things. Don't boast in your power. Don't lean on your bank account. Don't lean on your charisma. Don't lean on your capacity. Because God's not interested in those things. God doesn't step up and support and help those things. If you want to trust your own strength, God will let you trust in your own strength. 
Okay? If you want to build a boat and float it out in the ocean, God will let you do that. But when that boat sinks, God's not going to throw you a lifeline because you trusted in what you could build more than you trusted in what God could build. Because he's saying this, if you're going to boast, boast in the fact that you know me. If you're going to invest in something in your life, don't invest in what you're strong in. Invest in in knowing me and in understanding me because I have got you. 2 Corinthians 12 says this. And this is the Apostle Paul writing. And Paul is talking about a weakness that he had, something that he struggled with, something that was bothering him that he wished he didn't have to deal with anymore. And rather than trying to do it, deal with it on his own, he said this. Each time he prayed to God and God said this to him, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And so Paul, understanding that God's power works best through his weakness, he doesn't try to scramble to fix his weakness on his own. Instead, he decides this. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. I don't need to try and scramble to make the best ball gown on my own. I can't do it. Instead, I'm going to trust God because when I trust God and I lean on His strength, the power of Christ can work in me. If you're taking notes, you should write this down. This is the main point, okay? This is it. The ball gown you make will never be as good as the one that God can make, okay? The ball gown that you can make on your own, it will never be as fancy. It'll never be as pretty. It'll never be as awesome as the ball gown that God will make in your life. Now, dudes, I know you're not making or wearing ball gowns. Maybe like there's, you know, the the flexing, the big muscles that you can make on your own. I don't know. Whatever it is. Here's the point. When you try to build something in your life on your own power and on your own strength, it will never be as good as what God can make. Your marriage build it on your own, it will never be as good as a marriage that God could make if you trusted him. Your finances, your money, how it impacts and affects your life, the financial kingdom that you are trying to build and develop on your own, it will never be as good as it could be if you just trusted God and trusted his principles and you built it his way. Your relationships with your family or at your job, it will never be as good if you build it on your own than as if when you trust God to build these things for you. The ball gown that you make, try as you might, as motivated as you are and as genuine and as good as your motives are, it will never be as good as the one that God can make for you. This is what the writer of Psalm says in Psalm 84. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Talking to God, they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Now, this is awesome. This is what the writer of Psalm says about God's strength moving and working in your life. It says, when people trust in God, they are blessed. Why? Because they go from strength to strength. You ever in a situation where it's like all that strength runs out? We're like, I leaned on God and it was great for a minute, but now I'm facing this mountain again. I mean, Asa did. Asa trusted God and he had peace for 10 years. But what happened at 10 years on day one? Peace ended. There were more armies coming. Israel was coming. There was more pressure on him. And Asa had two choices. He could lean on his own strength, or he could say, God's got a new strength. God's got a new portion, a new dispensation of strength for me right now in this moment. And the writer of Psalm is saying this, when you trust in God, he will take you from strength to strength. You need strength for today, he'll give it for you. Tomorrow, there's more. The day after, there's more. A year from now, there's more. When you trust in God, he just continues to provide for you. He continues to move in your life, providing strength. And it's like, it doesn't matter what you're facing. 
It means this, that even if your, your carriage turns back into a pumpkin at midnight, there is a brand new carriage tomorrow, okay? God will take you from strength to strength. He will keep moving in your life. Isaiah 40 says this, even youths will become weak and tired, which makes me feel great when I watch Kevin and how tough and strong he is. Kevin's going to get tired too, and he's probably going to be when he turns 40 like me. So anyway, even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion, but... Those who trust in the Lord, they'll find new strength. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you need strength for. When you trust in the Lord, there is new strength. Every day when you wake up, it's new. Every morning when you get up, it's available to you when you trust in the Lord. And then the Apostle Paul writes this again in Ephesians chapter 6. And this is kind of, he's wrapping up this letter that he wrote to the Ephesian church. And he says, a final word. Okay, this is, I want to wrap up with this final thought, okay? This is important. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Well, how do we do that? How do we, how do we lean on God's strength? How do we stay strong in God and in his power? How do we do that? And Paul says this, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Listen, you need to lean on God's strength, not your own. You need to trust the Lord before you trust yourself, before you trust your family, before you trust the advice of others, before you trust your boss, before you trust your bank account, before you trust your workplace. You need to trust God and lean into him first. And how do we do that? We pray all the time. Why 21 days of prayer? Here's what 21 days of prayer is really about. It's really no different than maybe those of you who have started a brand new fitness routine or regime at the beginning of the year because you're taking 21 days to get your body in the best shape or, or 21 days to get on the best diet that you've ever been on at the beginning of the year. It's because we believe that investing in your spiritual strength will, will have a much greater impact on your life than investing in any other type of strength that you may have. Why 21 days of prayer? Because I want you to be strong in the Lord. And I want you to be strong in his mighty power. When you flex, I want you to flex the spirit of God in your life. That's what I want for each and every single one of us. And, and I know this, just like Asa, I don't want you to have enemies in your life that could have easily been defeated if you just trusted God instead of trying to beat them on your own. I don't want you to carry things that you've been fighting and fighting and fighting, but you can't fight anymore. And they're undefeated and they're tearing you down simply because you didn't trust God to do it for you. You didn't trust in the strength of the Lord. There's an enemy in your life that can be defeated, but it will never happen. And I don't want any of us to make a treaty with the things that seek to destroy us in our lives. Instead of saying, God, I just surrender it and I give it to you. And I need your strength. I need you to move. I need to depend on you. I don't want your wicked stepmother living rent-free in your life for the rest of your life. And neither does God. Because God's got a peace. He's a God of joy. He's a God of love. He's not a God of shame. 
God wants you to experience everything that he has, and that comes when we seek him out. So why 21 days of prayer? Because I want us to develop and invest in our lives. And tell you, if the band wants to come forward, or Kevin, you guys can come forward. Now's a good time. Let me just tell you this. Let me tell you the last little story of Asa, just so that you kind of know how things went down with him, okay? The end of his life, Asa had gone through this. Hanani, the, the prophet, had come to him, and he'd say, listen, dude, you screwed up this time. And I'm just telling you, you screwed up because you trusted in your own strength and you didn't trust in God. And by trusting your own strength and instead of trusting in God, you're going to live with this enemy for the rest of your life. If that's me, I'm going to be like, oh, I screwed up. I probably should correct this and get this right. And I might change my ways. Well, Asa didn't. Story tells us this, that just five years later, Asa got really sick. Uh, and Chronicles tells us he had this, this foot disease. Kind of, probably kind of gross. I would, I would bet. And uh, you can bring it up, 2 Chronicles 16. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a serious foot disease. And check this out. Yet even with the severity of his disease, he did not seek the Lord's help, but he turned only to his physicians. And so he died in the 41st year of his reign. Asa had an enemy that stayed in his life, unchanged, that he, he couldn't get rid of because he had re- relied and depended on his own strength. And at the very end, when he was sick and dying of a gross, severe disease, he simply could have turned to God and said, God, I need your help. I need your strength. But he developed a habit in his life of leaning on his own strength. And he couldn't turn back to God. He couldn't turn his heart to God to the point where he suffered and died without simply calling on the Lord to help him. We have two sources of strength in our life. We have our human strength. We have our abilities. We have our capacity to calculate and to think through ways that we can get around the things that we're facing and the things that we're going through in our life. And we have spiritual strength. The strength that says, God, I know I'm facing all of those things, but I'm going to develop these muscles in my life Because I'm not going to boast in how strong I am. I'm not going to boast in how clever or how powerful or how much money I have. I'm not going to boast in any of those things because I'm going to boast in anything. It's going to be this, that I know you and that I understand that you are a God who loves us and that you are a God who brings righteousness and justice to this earth and that you delight in those things. That it's your joy to bring righteousness and justice and love to this earth in my life. And when I trust in that, when I invest in my spiritual strength instead of my human strength, God will move in your life. But the converse is true, is that when you trust in your human strength, you will have enemies that you cannot defeat. And they may live with you forever. And that is not God's heart. It's not God's plan for you. And I want you to be strong. I want you to be free. And I want you to see what God can do in your life when you lean on his strength. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, for what you're speaking to us today about your strength versus our own. And God, I just confess, Lord, for me, Lord, I know that there have been times when I face a difficult circumstance or I face a challenge or there's a mountain that needs to be climbed. God, I know that it's so easy for my first thought to be to make a list of all the ways that we could do this, God, and to think about all the things that I could do to overcome this thing. And God, that sometimes it's just challenging for us to stop and to say, Lord, what would you have me do? But Jesus, leaning on your strength is as simple as that transition. 
A transition that starts in prayer. A transition that starts in just training our hearts to consult you. A transition that starts with training our spiritual strength to be more powerful and more effective. And so, Lord, I pray, God, for each and every single person in this room that you would help us, God, to lean on you and not on ourselves. God, to lean on you and not on our own understanding, but to acknowledge you in all your ways so that you, God, will direct our paths, so that you will make our our path and our road straight. If you're here today, just with everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're facing a situation and you've been trying to deal with it on your own. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's at work. Maybe there's a temptation or a struggle that you've been, you hate that you're drawn into it, but you just can't, you can't get past it. Maybe it's eating or it's pornography or it's, you know, any number of addictions, alcohol, drugs, things that you've been trying to beat on your own and you just cannot do it. And today you're willing to say, God, I've leaned on my own strength and I cannot live with the fact that this could be my enemy until the day I die. And I need you to come in and I need you to bring me victory and I need you to overcome this enemy because I will not let it, li- let it live rent free in my life anymore. Today, that's you. You're saying, God, I need to lean on your strength. I'm not leaning on my own anymore. Just lift your hand and say, I'm going to lean on God's strength. And Lord, I need you. I I need your help. Thank you for lifting your hands. Father, I pray for every single person who's lifted their hand. I pray that right now, Jesus, that you would speak freedom into their lives. God, I pray that you would break the chains of bondage that have been in them, God, because they trusted in their own ability. And I pray that your power and your strength would move freely in them, that the power of your spirit would descend and fall right now in this place. And that, God, that you would bring freedom and righteousness and justice and hope and love to them right now. And I pray, God, that you would give them a path to follow, Lord, to walk in your ways and to seek you first, God, to boast on the fact that they know you and they understand your plan and purpose for their life. First and foremost, Lord, we love you and we trust you, God, and we continue to step out in your ways. And we pray it all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.